0: And so I want to talk this morning about Jesus and a man named Simon, uh, Simon of Cyrene, Mark chapter five, uh, 15. Uh, then they compelled a certain man, a Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, uh, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross, and they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. And uh, Acts 13.1, it says, Now in the church there was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, uh, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with uh, Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So, you know, I read those two scriptures because uh, what happened in Simon's life was life-changing. Uh, he had a...I ra- believe as you look at the scriptures... And you can see uh, uh, traces and indications that uh, Simon's family eventually became part of the New Testament church. And uh, it's interesting that Simon was a man who had traveled almost 800 miles from northern Libya to Jerusalem to uh, partake in the Passover. You know, he made that journey over a period of time. Who knows how long it took him, but obviously it was a very important pilgrimage for him to come uh, uh, to uh, observe the uh, Passover. And, um, you know, before I start, before I get too deep into this, I want to say, Jeff, thank you for sharing this morning. I appreciated what you shared. Love you so much. And I'm grateful for all of those who have been brought together to serve Bethel. Josh, wonderful time. Uh, These are two precious young men that God has sent us here at Bethel, and uh, we're glad for you. Amen, right? And we got uh, a seasoned vet up here with Kevin and Remy, seasoned, not old. Uh, How many know Kevin's not old, just seasoned? And, uh, you know, and we appreciate Bree and uh, her wonderful uh, efforts there among our youth and young people and Crystal with the kids and all those who care for the, uh, our Royal Rangers with uh, Ken and his team and all of, the one, all of the folks that work with the girls on Wednesday nights and uh, just so many great things. And uh, we're grateful for all of you. We thank God and pray for you. And so, you know, as we look at this, uh, we will focus on one man's interactions with Christ en route to Golgotha. Uh, But we will consider the context surrounding his interactions with Jesus. His interactions with Jesus did not take place in a sterile location. Think about it. He meets Christ, and of all places where he meets him, is he, he is confronted with a Christ who has been beaten severely. He comes into well, he comes into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he's drawn into this drama that probably he didn't understand, but yet as he sees it unfolding and maybe he stands to observe what's taking place. You know, the Roman soldiers pull him out of the crowd and they tell him, You carry his cross. And as, uh, as we look at si- uh, Simon and as he, he's brought into this drama, who would have dreamt that, uh, you know, this 800-mile journey would have, would have uh, brought him a lot closer to God than what he would have been otherwise? You know, he came to observe the Passover, and it's interesting because as he was given this cross, this cross was without doubt stained with the blood of Jesus. And when Simon would come into contact with the blood of Jesus on that cross, he would have been by the law declared unclean, and he would have been disqualified from being able to participate in the Passover, and there was a process that had been prescribed for cleansing, but there was no time for such. And keep that in mind as, we, as this unfolds. This man made his journey to take part in the Passover. He's drawn into this drama with Jesus and uh, probably knew nothing about Jesus. Uh, he comes in and he's forced to, to bear the weight of this man's cross because Jesus had been beaten so severely that it, they really didn't think that he would make it to the cross. And, you know, if that, you know, they wanted him to make it to the cross because he was to die there. You know, that place of crucifixion was established just outside the city. And it was in a very visible place where passerbys could see people being executed routinely. And so part of that would have been that Jesus would, would have been treated like many of them and even probably much worse and, and as we look at this Simon who was brought here, you know, we're told that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And, and, and when Paul wrote Romans, he mentions in Romans sixteen thirteen to greet Rufus and his mother. He explains that uh, Rufus' mother was like a mother to him. And, you know, when we think about the, the people of Cyrene who had come for the Passover, you know, there is indication in history that many of them were among the first Christian believers uh, at the day of Pentecost. Wouldn't that have been a tremendous thing that Simon, who had experienced Jesus at the cross of Calvary, receives a revelation that Jesus is more than a man being marched to a cross to die upon it, but in fact, he is the son of the living God. And as that would be such, and then wouldn't it be a very compelling story that not only did Simon, after he had, uh, he had but let's say he has this revelation of Christ, that, that he and his family are part of that Pentecostal birthing of the New Testament church. But we know that uh, there, there is a record in Scripture, as we've said, of, of his family being there. And so Simon had this unpremeditated encounter with Christ. And I'm going to say this again. It wasn't in a sterile environment. Can you imagine the Jesus that he saw on this day? He, didn't, he wasn't introduced to the Jesus that you and I see he was introduced to a Jesus who was disfigured, a Jesus who was bleeding heavily, his flesh torn. He, he was weak, dehydrated, and his body, I'm sure, was, was re- just like anybody's would in the natural, was just, his body was revolting against all of the trauma. Jesus experienced the trauma, right? You know that. He experienced every bit of the pain that would have been, uh, 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 would have resulted from the beating that he was given, from the mistreatment that he was given. But I want to say to you today, and this is something I'm going to share with the people at the uh, facility when I leave here, that Jesus at no time was ever a victim. Come on, church. That would imply that Jesus was taken by force and he was, he was executed. Jesus made it very clear that he had the capabilities of calling the angels of heaven to intervene in this. And secondly, we know as Jesus, he declares that he lays down his life. He said, "Nobody takes my life." He said to, to the authorities in front of me, "You have no power over me except what you are allowed to possess at this moment." And so, I want to say, as we consider this, Jesus was never a victim, and you know, Christianity isn't a religious uh, grouping of victims. You are not a victim. There may have been times in your life where you were victimized by people, but, you know, that's not your identity today, right, church? We are what Jesus was, right? We are overcomers. Jesus, he pursued the cross for the joy that was set before him. And, you know, we're looking for a much bigger prize than what you'll find in the natural world today. And so we look forward with great joy to the advancement of God's kingdom by all means, the church must introduce people to Christ, and it doesn't always have to be in the sanitary places. Jesus was uh, uh, um, S- Simon was introduced to Jesus at the cross in a very unsanitized place, outside of the temple, outside of the tabernacle, outside of the religious venues that a man would expect to meet Jesus. He met a Jesus who was very much different than maybe what he would have perceived the Messiah to be. And so by all means, the church must be introducing people to Christ. This message is centered in what took place when Jesus died upon the cross. We can be cute. We can be clever. We can be doing a lot of things uh, to try to, to bring people to Christ. But here's the ultimate deal. And I appreciate what Josh has set up here at the church for us praying over the community because that's a large part of, of, the, uh, of that affects the groundwork of what God is going to do throughout Littlestown. And so, if you haven't signed up for a street to adopt in prayer, you know, get into the battle, right? We have people who gather here at 5 o'clock for intercessory prayer. Uh, Amy Woznarski leads that group. And you're encouraged, if you'd like to join that group for intercessory prayer, to do so. But people need to be introduced to Christ. They need to be introduced to the Christ who was crucified and who was resurrected, right? That's That's the centerpiece of this whole ministry. Christ crucified resurrected, coming again. You know, that's the, those are the, the pillars of this messaging here. So everything that we learn in church, everything that we learn through our personal studies should always bring us back to Christ. Right? It's not a religion. If it's a religion without Christ, it's no different than most any other thing that it, that it calls itself religion. First Corinthians nine, it says, even though I am a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I was like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ." Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share the gospel. You know, people need to know Jesus Christ. They need to know him. And however you can present Jesus to the world, you are to seize the opportunity. I am to seize the opportunity. That means that we have to hit the ground and meet people in the most unlikeliest of places. And introduced them to the Lord. You know, Simon met Jesus in the most unlikeliest of places. God had ordained this divine appointment, this time, this place for Simon's life to be forever changed. I know this was a divine appointment. You understand, right? This is not coincidence that this man traveled this long distance. That his plans to se- celebrate the Passover had been blown up by his encounter with Christ, and none of that you and I know was coincidental, right? That was a divine appointment that God would, ha- that Simon would be introduced to Christ. And there are divine appointments that you, have been, you and I have been called to keep. There are people outside the sanitary sanctuary that we worship in today, outside the sphere of religious activities who need to be introduced to Jesus. They need to see him. They need to know that, yes, he was crucified for the, our redemption and that he lives again. So tomorrow when you go out, you have some, you and I go out of this place, we have some divine appointments to keep. Divine appointments. God has a divine timeline for your life. He has appointments set up for you. And you and I need to be faithful to them because there are people out there who have no inkling of who Christ is and will never know who he is, and they will die in ignorance without knowing the redemption that God has set uh, and made available to all men, except that they see Jesus in the unlikely places of life. You know, as we think about Simon and his travels And how his life would be transformed. It it was a trip to Jerusalem that brought this African Jew into an encounter with the Christ. When when Simon made this long trek to Jerusalem, he did so out of devotion. And now he was forced to carry Christ, uh, a cross of Christ. And he was considered now to be religiously and ceremonially unclean. You know, the law was a hard yoke. And, you know, Jesus came not to abolish it, but to, to satisfy the demands of it and to change life. Isn't it interesting that this man who was very devout in his faith, who had walked through the law, the, 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 the covenant of the law, was now being introduced to the covenant of grace in Jesus Christ? That's an amazing thought. This man stood in two continents. I mean, literally uh, and spiritually, he stood in, in the continent, uh, the, you know, the spiritual continent under the law. And now he was being introduced to Christ, the author of grace. How many of you today realize that grace is a powerful tool? It's not this wishy-washy lotion that just makes us, gives us a license to live a life apart from uh, honoring God. You know how many know that grace is not a license to live a sloppy life, and it's not. It's really the, the the power to live a holy life. It is really the it really it gives us the freedom to live for Christ fully and completely, and to enjoy the abundant life that God has given us. It is the power that God gives us to bear the cross that we too are called to bear. 1 Corinthians 18 tells us that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. You know, this morning, as Joshua was sharing the, the reference to Revelation, I was thinking about the scriptures, and it says, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And the worship is powerful. And Jesus is always the center of the worship, right? He was worshiped and lifted up. And i got to tell you, every time we get into that worship zone where Jesus is being exalted to the exclusion of all others, the Spirit of God just saturates and bathes this house. You know, when Jesus alone is the focus, you know, not Jesus and... How many know we don't worship angels? And just so, you know, just to clarify, your loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord are not angels, right? I know some people get upset if you touch these kind of things, but I want to tell you, I don't want anybody to believe that because that is not true. Heaven does not gain another angel when your loved one who knew the Lord went to heaven. You know, uh, you know, they, 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 we are created in the image of God. Angels were not created in the image of God. <laughs> That's a little side note. so But anyhow, the weight of the entire cross was typically about 300 pounds. You know, Whitey could carry that around for a while. 300 pounds. Yeah, that man... He's one of the strongest people I've ever met. Is that what you wanted me to tell him? (laughs) And uh, typically, uh, the victim carried only the crossbar, which weighed about 70 to 125 pounds. And when the victim carried the crossbar, he was usually stripped down and his hands were often tied to the wood. And the upright beams were often permanently uh, fixed in a visible place outside the city walls next to a major road. Many times before this day, Jesus would have walked by the place where he would have been crucified. You know, this morning, I think about Simon. You know, can you imagine the testimony that Simon would have? as to how he came to faith in Christ? Well, I was traveling and I took this you know this very 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 long journey to uh, Jerusalem. and when I arrived there for the Passover, I saw this mob of people and there was something compelling about this, didn't understand what it was. I saw a man who was, had been beaten severely and who was no longer able to bear the weight of that cross and All of a sudden, they were looking for somebody to take his cross, and they pulled me out of the crowd and said, You take his cross. And, you know, only heaven and God and and Simon know what took place during that little period of time where he bore the cross for Jesus, but something happened there. And I want to tell you, I believe this with all my heart, that when Jesus... And the message of the cross are preached. Things happen in people's lives. You say, I don't worship the cross. I don't worship the cross either, but you know something? It will always stand as an emblem to me, as a reminder. It will be central in the gospel story. You know why it will be? Because the scripture says it is. Scripture says it is. It will always be centered because what it represents is the extreme love of a God who gave everything he could give to to redeem us. I want to tell you today, that cross is a precious emblem to me. You know, know, sometimes I see, and you know, don't look at anybody. I, I see people with cross earrings, cross necklaces, crosses tattooed on their bodies, But you know something, if you if your life hasn't been changed internally by the one who died on that cross, you're just wearing jewelry. You're just inking up your body, you know. I'm not sure. You know, the cross was never meant to be fashionable. It's not a fashion statement, right? It's a transformational emblem upon which Christ died. Again, I don't worship a piece of wood, but you know something? Even that piece of wood had been selected and ordained by God to be the one that Jesus died on. I don't think there was any coincidence in anything that happened there. You know, this man was sought out, and the Bible tells us in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I was lost, but Jesus found me. I was, I was, my life was wrecked internally and Jesus saved me and he began to create order in my heart. How many, how many of you today know that God is ordering your life? Whereas before you came to him, life could have been a mess. It could have been a chaotic mess. And Jesus came in and he washed all of our sin away. The blood of Christ cleanses us from what? All sin. And you say, we shouldn't concentrate on the blood. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell because there is no hope of redemption except but through the shed blood of Christ there's no forgiveness of sin except through the shed blood of Christ it was more than a token more than an emblem it's efficacious jesus shed his blood so that my sin could be eradicated he met he met Christ at the cross 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 19, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with word, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. You know what that says? So that that, that my, my wisdom and my knowledge and my charisma and my charm or whatever it is, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about people. It, it, whatever it is, it just gets in the way of the messaging. Nothing is to get in the way of the messaging of Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, one time uh, people went to see uh, the, I think it was Courageous, a group of fellows from uh, the church I was at, and the one guy irritated me a lot because he said, you know, there's too much Jesus in that movie. (laughs) I said, well, you know, I wasn't there, but I would have thought, well, you could have went over and saw Bambi next door if you didn't want to go see Jesus. Probably benefited you more if that's your take when you come out. That'd be like saying, I went to see the passion of Christ. And there was too much Jesus in it. I'm going to tell you, for, uh, uh, here's what the scripture says. For, to me, to live is Christ. Period. Foundation. That's, the, that's the, to me, in my, my small thinking, my wo- small world, the most concise, powerful statement of the Christian life that I can find. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Life and death, all of it characterized in just a few words for those who know Christ. Jesus isn't a part of it. He is the star, right? He's not the He's not the warm up act. He's the He's the He's the star of all of it. Come on now. How many know Jesus isn't the warm up show for our activities? for our presentations. Jesus is not the side note. He's not the little bit of spice that we put into what we do. He is that which makes us salty to the world. He makes us the light of the world. You know, I'll finish here quickly. When I don't preach in a couple of weeks, I usually get wound up. And uh it's interesting because they say, that the you know, I do work on it. I go to the uh, I preach this afternoon at the Robin, She goes with me. What a wonderful friend. They love her. Everywhere we go, they like her better than me. I can't understand it. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, the thing is, she. Uh, I just think about that, and, you know, um, I want to get the word into him. When I started there, there was an elderly man. He was kind of the spokesman for the group. And I, and he, in a short time, I loved him. And then he got COVID and he died. But before he did, he had, he told me, he said, Hey, you know, the people here, when I, when I started, he said, they don't need an, they don't need a dissertation. They just need to be shown the love of Christ and they need it presented in simplicity don't come in here with a lie you know i didn't ha- i thank god for that i didn't have to wear my robes when i came in <laughs> it's okay if you wear robes but i got a nice black one don't i rob and uh, the the cross is the platform from which jesus is established really it's not a secondary message it's primary the cross is the centerpiece of this whole gospel thing that we preach you know it's the value that his father placed upon humanity the cross will always portray the value that God placed upon your life. You and I may not have been worthy of what God did for us, but that doesn't mean that we didn't have value. doesn't mean that we didn't have worth to Him. We were worth enough that Jesus, that Jesus came to this earth. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we could be made, what, the righteousness of God in Him. How many like you, like was said this morning, know that Jesus took upon Himself the responsibilities of our transgressions of our iniquities and he died for our redemption your worst moment your worst uh, our our worst transgression was nailed to the cross and you say, Lord, God Almighty, I believe that you gave your son to die on that cross so that my worst moments could be nailed to the cross, that they could be covered in the blood. And today I am free because of what Jesus has done on that cross for me. That's salvation. The tomb from which he emerged serves as the enduring platform confirming the credibility of of his efficacy his redeeming death and his claim it justifies his claim of being the son of god his death was uh, nailed to the cross and his resurrection shown eternal life from the place where the stone had failed to keep him in this certain man was compelled compelled not compelled but compelled to uh, to bear the cross. It was the custom of the Romans to make the condemned criminal bear the cross. But in this case, Jesus was simply too weak to carry it. They preferred to keep the victim alive until he was crucified because a public crucifixion was good advertisement for Rome. And when Jesus fell under the weight of the cross, no Roman would help him. And so someone was selected by the centurions to, to take this cross. And so they compelled this, uh, this man to take up the cross. His encounter with Christ was a one-on-one encounter. You, if you get to heaven, it's going to be because you had a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus. You're not going to get there because grandma knew Jesus. You're not going to get there because, you, you know, your walk may have been impacted because grandma knew Jesus and she prayed for you. But ultimately, you had to come to that place of personal decision and surrender in your life. You know, don't count on anyone else. Teach your children that they need to have a personal relationship with Christ. Don't assume they have one because they're being raised under your roof. Don't assume that. Focus on it. Be intentional about it. Invest love in them. Take time to, to make sure that they've not only prayed a little prayer sometime during the course of their life, but that they have been nurtured in the faith. You've got to help them to get strong in their faith because this is a withering, uh, evil world. This world is not our home, right? We are passing through. We are on our way. But on our way, we are to, uh, we are to hold uh, we are to, we are to uh, occupy, we are to serve, we are to win as many to Christ as we can before we leave. Come on, church. We are to win as many to Christ as we can before we leave. And if Jesus tarries, some of us in this room are closer to heaven than others because you're going to go before. None of us know for certain when we're going to live, uh, when we're going to die, but God knows. And so I want to occupy as much of the, I want to serve as much of the mission of Christ in winning others and seeing the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. How many know we are kingdom people and we need to be kingdom minded. And that means that we represent the prince, the prince of the kingdom, the king of kings, the one who said, spoke and gave life to all of those who are in this kingdom. We live in Christ and we need to go forth. Sharing the message of the kingdom. We've got to live by kingdom principles. Our neighbors need to see kingdom principles in the way we live our lives. The, the world needs to see that we not only represent a church here in Bethel, in town, but we are part of the kingdom of God, that we are walking, believing as we prayed this morning, that, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's absolutely what God's desire is for us, that we will desire for his will. His principles, his name to be exalted. Just give me a couple more minutes. Uh, Simon's role was to do that which uh, would not or uh, to do that which others would not or could not do. You know, Romans weren't going to do it, and there are others who uh, probably weren't capable of doing it. And so he was selected. And you know, that that others would uh, that others would would witness these moments, and maybe not have the same perspective that Simon had. But his life would change in those moments before the world. The course of his life would change. Nothing in his lifetime would ever be of greater value than his experience with Jesus on this day. Personally and forever, for others forever, that day would be powerful. What took place on that Good Friday would change the world. What God does in your life has the potential of changing the world, right? God doesn't just change you so you can sit pretty. God changes you so that you can serve him, love him, grow an intimate relationship with him, and represent him. How many know you are the ambassadors of Christ on this planet? You know, we're not weak, we're not dependent on any government, we're not, you know, we're not afraid of any movement, because we know that if God is with us, who can be against us? The Bible tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. How many understand the gates of hell are trying to keep us out, not trying to, not, we're not hiding behind the gates, I'm not holding the fort. How many say I'm not holding the fort? <laughs> Yeah, he's my dwelling. We're walking in Christ. You know, Jesus is able to move beyond the fort and outside the gates that we consider to be our safety zone. God is with us when we move beyond that. And we are to move beyond that. We are to go into the places of peril, the places where people are different than we are. We are to live this thing from the east, to whichever way, the east, west, north, south. I don't know if any of that hit, but uh, I was aiming So today, until we have that intimate life-changing encounter with the crucified and resurrected Christ, we will never live the life that God desires to bless us with and the life that honors God. The blood of Christ would not only touch his physical person, it would become the source of his redemption. And there was a broader reach because Simon, what happened in Simon's life when he met Christ at the cross would affect his family, would affect the New Testament church. As a result of his meeting Christ at the cross, God blessed him with the descendants that would also know Christ. The reach of the cross would bring salvation to people from every tribe and kindred and tongue. Isn't it going to be great when we can get beyond this stupid black-white his, you know, Hispanic, Indian, come on, all these here, uh, the, 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 you know, the constant things that are promoted in the press about conflict and the things that are manifest, unfortunately, in a fallen world, that it won't matter if you're black or you're white. It won't matter if you're yellow. It won't matter if you're red. It won't matter if you're pink with yellow polka dots. It won't matter because the blood of Christ all covers us us all. And here's the thing, we are all given a robe of righteousness. I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come. You know, a criminal met Christ while dying on the cross. Jesus was always missional. Even when he died on the cross, 42, it says, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me, or Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. See the the work here of the cross? There was going to be a man who met Jesus, found Christ, walking with him, carrying his cross. There would be a man who would meet Jesus and be brought into paradise with Christ who was hanging beside him on the cross. There would be those who would recognize that when the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and there was the earthquake. So when the, when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out and said this. Truly, this man was the son of God. There were people all around who were being impacted and affected by the cross. We highlight Simon, but there were others and this message will save. This message will work. You ever see that show? Maybe not. They, they, they do the knives. They make knives. These competition, they make knives. And then they hang some poor soul pig hanging and, and they swing the knife. And, you know, and, and if it works, this guy always says, it will cut. You know, I'm going to say to you, this gospel will save. This gospel will say, come on, do you get excited about this stuff? I see all kinds of clowns in the world today and I say clowns because they choose to be clowns. God wants to redeem them who are celebrating evil and wickedness and celebrating vanity and they're rejoicing in it like they really have something to be happy about. And I pray to God that they are going to find what truly gives you a reason to celebrate. That someone will introduce them to the Jesus who died on the cross for them and values them as much as He values any of us. But church, man, it's time to, to arise in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, He didn't say that we were to go forth in our own wisdom. In fact, Paul says, I didn't go with words of enticing wisdom said, so I didn't want to make the gospel of none effect. I didn't want to make the gospel of the cross of Christ of none effect. I didn't want to cloud the messaging. I didn't want people to see me. I wanted them to see the Lord. Simon's life would be authored into the divine narrative of Christ's crucifixion for now and for eternity. It would not merely be in an encounter or an event. It would be transcendent and transformational. It would Ultimately, be the purchase of Christ's death that would set him free from the weight of the law. Obviously, Simon sought out the ending of it, this passion narrative that was authored by the resurrection. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Listen to these scriptures. The first Corinthians 620. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, in your spirit, which uh, are God's. How many say, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. You bought me. You bought me. Your blood secured my redemption and made me your purchase. Your Holy Spirit came into my heart and my life and became the seal of my redemption. The promise of that which God will reveal more fully and completely upon his return. 1 Peter 1, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, From aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. Here it is, church, with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 5 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden crowns full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth for with him. Jesus humanity provided Simon with an opportunity. Because Jesus became flesh and he struggled and suffered physically in these moments, his incarnation, his, the indwelling of God in human form, the, the likeness of the ultimate servant would impact and affect Simon's life. Jesus was brought to the place Golgotha, which is translated a place of, of a skull. Jesus in his humanity was weakened to the point where it was feared that he would not make it to the cross. It, it would appear that Jesus was so weak through the strain of the last few days and the scourging that he was a, unable to walk, not to speak of carrying a cross. He had born, had to be born in, in the sick would be the beneficiaries of his suffering. Think about this with me for a moment. He was ushered. he ultimately brought to the place of Golgotha and, and uh, Simon was part of that journey. To the place of a skull and it's said that this place is where criminals were crucified. Others say the place of the skull Uh, 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 was uh, was littered with the skulls of men previously executed. I'm not sure about that. Some think it was called Golgotha because it was on a hill that overlooked and had the appearance of a skull with the shadows of the skull's face in the hillside. Some think it was called Golgotha because the hill was barren, smooth, and round like the top of a skull. You know, whatever it was, you know, Simon... Walked with Jesus toward that place, toward that place where he would die. And you know, we are to be, we are to put to death evil in our lives. We got to put it to death, right? I mean, we got to stamp on that thing. You know, Jonathan didn't know, but you know, when he was a kid, you know, he probably knew, but he'd be a little boy just waddling along, and he'd, say, he'd see a caterpillar, and he'd go, oh, pretty caterpillar. And then he would step back, and I don't know why. And I said, yes, dead caterpillar. But, you know, the thing is, that wasn't a good example, but all I can say is the caterpillar was really dead. And God wants the, 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 the old nature that ruled us and robbed us and stole from us what God had intended for us. He wants us to make it dead. Amen? He wants it crucified. Wants to mortify the members and the deeds of the flesh. You know, we don't, you know, we, we, God, we invite the Holy Spirit to just stir up within us such an overwhelming sense of awe for who you are. Come on, do you have a sense of awe for God? Are you awe stricken? Are you amazed at His grace? Come on now. You know, if you're not, you should be. All of us should be. We should be in awe of a holy God, a God that's holy, and yet He has made it possible for we, earthen vessels, to, To host his presence and for we to, uh, to interact and to worship and fellowship with him in a way that our worship will rise to heaven as an incense. Who would have ever thought that we could offer something worthy to, to be lifted into the heavens that as a sweet aroma unto the Lord God Almighty. But that's what Jesus does in our hearts when we yield to him our total being. He makes our lives sweet. He makes our worship sweet. He makes it worthy of heaven there's something that takes place and there's a transformation that's greater than mere conformity that God wants to bring into your life and my life today. Come on, church. You got to get fired up about this Jesus. People say, what are you trying to do? Cheerlead? Absolutely, 100%. I'm a cheerleader for the gospel. I'm a cheerleader for Jesus Christ crucified. I'm a cheerleader for the resurrected Christ. I'm a cheerleader for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm a cheerleader for the church triumphant. I'm a cheerleader for the church that's being transformed into the church that will be presented as the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle. I I, am a cheerleader for people who are down and who think that we are victims. I'm here to cheer you up off of your face and to say the only time that you and I should be on our faces is when it's before a holy God. We should not bow before our our struggles, our infirmities, uh, all, all of the challenges, all of the things that come against us. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Come on, church. Do you believe that or have we just said it a million times? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we get to be part of the church that Simon was introduced to. That Lord, that he met you and his life was changed. He bore the cross. He, he, his body was covered with your blood. And somewhere somehow without great detail we just get this sense lord god that simon's life would be forever changed and the church of god would be increased because of those who would come into it because one man's life was changed lord god almighty help us to see Help us to see the world is in need of Jesus today. Come on come on now, you can't live this life and you can't go through this life and live the rest of your life and be satisfied uh, keeping the fort. God says, storm the gates, storm the gates. Get out there, get out there. Come on, church, are you doing that? Are you getting with intention and purpose, getting out there saying, this soul needs Jesus. My neighbor needs Jesus. Here's the thing. You know, we, we we share Jesus through acts of kindness. We share him through a, a, a Christ-focused life of transformation. And yet, at some point, God's going to open the door for you to share this gospel because it is necessary. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things. I, I got a lot of good neighbors. I love my neighbors. I do. I generally love my neighbors. But I can tell you, Uh, I'm not sure that most of them really know Jesus. All they would take offense and say, I know about him. Yeah, I know that we do a lot of times. But here's the thing. Every time God opens a door, I want to walk through it. Every time there's an opportunity presented. And sometimes I have to step out in faith even when I don't know if there's an opportunity there. We say, well, I only wait until God opens the door. Well, sometimes God waiting to open the door until you step toward it. You know how many doors have stayed closed because we weren't willing to take those steps of faith and to walk toward it? God help us today. How many here want to see this? Uh, want to see God's church explode in these troubled times? Want to see people finding Christ, introduced to Jesus? How many of us are willing to to get out there where the cross is being taken? We take that cross out into the world, not to say how miserable this life is or how we're trying to appease God. No, it's just we identify so fully with what Jesus did on the cross and believe it to be central to the hope of redemption that we're not separating. From from it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him this morning. Let's praise and Take a moment. I know I preach a long time. I'm working on the short version. Come on, let's go. Let's lift up that name of Jesus. I'll be a cheerleader. I'll be a fool. I don't care. I'll make someone angry. It doesn't matter. It won't be the first time. Lord, we praise you. We worship you today. Lord, we, go, we, we just are so free to worship you, so free to praise you. Lord, we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not asking you if you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit today? Are you full of that spirit of power? Is that, is that timidity melting away because you are so with a spirit of boldness? God, we pray that boldness will overtake and, 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 Lord, burn up timidity and fear. Lord, that people will step beyond the limitations that, Lord, have been set up by fear. Lord God, uh, you know, help us to get out of that, Lord. And we believe you have, you gave your Holy Spirit. How many here want a greater boldness to share Jesus with people? Lord, we want to have Holy Spirit boldness. I know the Holy Spirit is in this house. How many know the Holy Spirit is here? You know, we're not out in search of him. He's here today searching us out. He's here looking for an opportunity. He's looking for a host. He's looking for a host. Are you going to host the Holy Spirit today? Are you going to host the power of God? Are you going to say, God, come fill me to overflow? Change me if I'm lethargic, indifferent, impatient, disinterested. Lord, I pray that you will destroy that today. Come on, folks, let's get away from this pandemic mindset that we're, we're just going to wait and see what happens. I want to tell you, we know what happened, right? Jesus was crucified on that resurrection morning. He was raised up. And I have to believe that no pandemic could keep Jesus in the grave. And no pandemic should keep the church hiding in the fort. Jesus is my dwelling. I'm not looking for a man-made place of safety. Jesus is our safety. Come on now. And if Jesus is with you and you go with Jesus no matter where you go, no matter what your experience is, he's with you, he's got you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He was with you yesterday. He's already waiting for you in tomorrow. Come on, church, you know that, right? Tomorrow Jesus is already there waiting for you. So when you look at tomorrow and you say I'm afraid, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of what tomorrow's going to bring, Jesus said, "Don't be afraid. I'm already here." You're not going to some place where you'll be left alone. In fact, I'm here, but I'm going to go with you to get there. I don't understand that. How many know that's how amazing God is? He says, I'm in your tomorrow, but I'm going to walk with you to get there. My God is everywhere, 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 everywhere. He can't be measured by height or width. He can't be contained. Hallelujah, my God's not limited to space nor time. How many say, God, you're not limited by space or time? Come on, church. Anybody say that? Oh, God can't touch my life because he's too busy with someone else. Get out of there. We need, we need leaders here who are full of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need, full of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for all of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to close here, and maybe you say, well, he's just doing something. You know what? I'm I'm only doing what I believe God's given me. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing? Are you willing to come out from underneath the yoke of religion and to step in where Jesus is at? Even if it looks like it might cost you something, and it will, it'll cost you everything. But what God gives you will be far greater in return. I'm going to ask if we, as we close, if our, our pastors would come, and uh, uh, you know, Diane, would you come too? If you're here, if you're here, we just want to extend our hands forward toward all of the people in this church. You know, we're going to have prayer tomorrow night in the uh, somewhere. We're going to have prayer. But I want, I, and there is going to be on Tuesday night, there's going to be grief share. Robin will be leading that. I will be in here with those who come for prayer. So please make plans to join us. You see, these are men and women of God, men and women of God their families, you're certainly your spouses. You have some great spouses, wonderful spouses. They're not a lesser part of what God's doing here. They're a critical part. Lord, we just extend our hands toward everybody in this church. Lord, we want everybody to be part of it. It's not about us. It's not about what we do or how we do it, Lord God. It's not, that's not what this is. It's about us all coming together in Christ, walking in the vision of God, taking this community, storming it with love and truth and grace. People are being crushed underneath the yoke of the law. And God is saying today, he wants his church to be meeting people at that place of heavy oppression with the cross of Christ that puts to death the authority of the, the yoke of the law. The cross puts to death the authority of the, I'm not, not, not so much the authority but puts to death the weight of the law and it sets men free you know if we're not winning people for Jesus and I'm, I'm saying this we don't change anybody we don't save anybody but we can't the Bible says we are fishers of men right we are to be fishers of men some of us need to get our fishing poles out our nets because we haven't really been fishing. Because this world gives us our own cares and our own burdens, our own heartaches. And when I get through that, I don't have time much to think of anything else. Lord God, we want to see the increase of this church. not for our glory. We want to see the increase of all of the churches that are preaching the gospel of Christ because there really is one church. One church in Christ, one church in the scripture. Lord, there are many things that are done in your name that have nothing to do with you. But Lord God of the church that is centered in the word and glorifies Christ, there are many. And they're in different places. And we pray, Lord, you said that we are to pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would raise up laborers. Lord God, we just pray over this body. We extend our hands because we believe we're Holy Ghost people filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the anointing of God, that Lord God Almighty, that we pray over this congregation. Serving is a sacred trust. It's a gift from God and a sacred trust. And Lord God, we are here today serving. It is a sacred calling. And Lord God, it is a sacred trust. And, Lord God, we want to serve well. And we serve these people, your children, your flock. Your, your, Lord God, your inheritance. Lord, we pray over these, Lord, your, your children, that they will, Lord, be well and whole and filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We close today. I just want to say all of these folks who are here are here to pray with you, to support you to lift you up you know we've got we've got josh who is is doing a phenomenal job of creating community within the body of christ reaching the community outside the community of this church and Sarah. And, and, you know, thank God for him. Thank God for Diane, who is doing an incredible work in that office, navigating, uh, orchestrating, and putting things in proper order as uh, advance the kingdom. Thank God for Crystal and her team who are working with our children. We pray over Crystal and all of those workers who take time to invest in children and to pour into their lives for all of the team members on Wednesday nights that are pouring into the boys and girls of Bethel. Lord God, they are your ambassadors. They are your Lord equippers. Lord, I thank you for Brian, for Matt. I thank you for their lives. And I thank you, Lord, for their love for the young people, the teens, the schools, the parents. And Lord God, it's, it's all of its focus, Lord God, on introducing them to a deeper love for Christ. And, Lord, we pray for their families, for these kids that come to church that maybe their families don't come. And, Lord, that is both a blessing and a challenge because we are blessed to have these children. And, Lord, it is a challenge to disciple them in such a way and to, uh, and to allow them to experience God in such a way that when they go home, the homes begin to be changed. Lord, we thank you for... Lord, Sarah, who's with Josh, Lord, and their beautiful family. We thank you for Robin. Lord, I pray for her. She's blessed me. Thank you for Charlie, who does such a a wonderful job, Lord, of tending and caring for the grounds here. Lord, I pray this morning for Jeff and Leah. Lord, I thank you for this man of the Word who loves the Scripture, loves to Lord to, to teach and, and to impart the the, the 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 Word of God in layers and depths. Lord God, that we may not have gone to. And Lord, we pray for Kevin and Remy. Thank you for Lord the incredible outreach ministries. Lord, the uh, the wonderful time afforded. wonderful time afforded them that they afford to others to prayerfully Lord walk with them through challenges Lord thank you for Tammy and the worship team ministry Lord the wonderful 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 things that you introduce when we begin to exalt and to lift up the name of Jesus thank you oh Lord God for so many of the tech folks that are up in the balcony working and Lord God all of those who are greeting and welcoming people those who clean our church for Kelly, Lord God. Those who, Lord, for Sarah, who takes care of our finances, for the officers of our board, for the board members, Lord God, and their wives. And Lord, we, we just invested those who serve without title, who are just joyful and glad to serve. Pray, thank you for Amy, Lord, who has a heart to, uh, to pray uh, deeper, Lord God, than casual prayer, to press in on God. And Lord God, for those that join in intercession, whether they're here Wednesday or praying throughout the course of the Week. and lord we pray over the streets of this town lord god we just pray heavy heavy anointings to be released over these communities that there will be people who will come to find jesus and that you'll be exalted where people will be loved like they have never known love before That they will know that they're loved they're already loved they just don't know how how great the love of god is pray over this entire house thank you lord for mel and her work with the uh, ladies and uh, lord all the things that happen in this house lord god for the people thank you lord uh, lord for all the people here thank you lord god for don and tony and the work they're doing hallelujah father thank you thank you for the volunteers that give up their time to lord to minister on the grounds here of the church that's so loving and so caring and lord god just such a wonderful representation Lord, we thank you for all the ministries of the children, every ministry, the dance ministry, Lord, the fine arts ministries, Lord, God, all the things that that are happening in the house, the rangers, uh, Lord, God, we thank you, the girls' ministries, Lord, God, nursery care, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify the name of Jesus. Let's just take a moment. God's put this army together, Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.